Taste it. Hey, what's on your plate? Is it good? Is it great? Come on, don't hesitate. Sit on down with the Ambuja food When you're cooking at home, want to set the right tone? Just pick up the phone. Sit on down with the Ambuja food cities east side st paul those that are listening on your radios driving in your car thank you for tuning in to weqy 104.7 fm you are listening to the unbougie foodie (laughs) so i want to welcome welcome you and again thank you for just taking a few moments to well, I'll say for the next hour, sitting down with me and we're going to be discussing various areas of food, food events, um, topics. Yeah. But first and foremost, <laughs> happy leap year. <laughs> uh, next, I want to give you the telephone number to get in contact with me here at the radio station, which is 651 651- Two zero zero three four seven nine. Once again, six five one two zero zero three four seven nine. If you are in the Twin Cities, uh, yeah, you know that it's kind of gloomy, or okay, overcast, not gloomy. Oh, just overcast. Gloomy means it's like dark and gray and everything. No, it's overcast. So hopefully, we're supposed to get it's supposed to warm up a little bit. Um, we need some warmth right now. Let me also invite you, please to follow me on social media so on facebook it is the unbougie foodie you'll see you know videos uh you'll sometimes see a rant or two well okay remember i said i'd never really rant but now i'm getting a little bit of there are moments where i feel i need to voice my opinion a little bit stronger than others other times (laughs) on facebook uh i'm sharing articles or articles um, photos of maybe places that I've gone to, uh, yeah, with you. So definitely feel free to follow me on Facebook. One on Instagram, it is the underscore unbougie foodie. So that's all together. So the un- yeah, anyway. Uh, next is Twitter, which is at unbougie foodie. And then lastly, I'd like to invite you to visit my website too. Well, you'll see you know past articles um, that I've written. Also, you know, listen to past shows if you want to get caught up or stay caught up with you know, shows that have happened or occurred in the past. Because I do always, even though the shows are live, I do record them so that make them available, you know, posterity. And of course, make them available for you all. You want to go back to, and then you want to learn and see how, you know, other events. Anyway, <laughs> that is www.theunbougiefoodie.com. Uh, and again, you know, if you'd like to leave a, a message, comments, um, suggestions on maybe a show or maybe even somebody that you um, think should be maybe 
interviewed on the show, feel free to write me a line, uh, send me an email at theunboozyfoodie at gmail.com. Um, maybe you just want to say a comment or talk about a little bit what you heard on what whatever show that you've listened to. I am so welcome to have conversation uh, about any topic when it comes down to food. And remember, even though this is a food show, it is about food issues and topics and not just about going out to eat and really spending money. It's like it is about, you know, uh, uh, supporting the community. Uh, if there are food resources that you'd like to share, maybe you are a food resource, uh, maybe a food bank, a food shelf, uh, and you want to let the community know about um, the resources that you have available, please feel free to get in contact with me because I really would like, uh, I, I want to invite you either on the show or for you to call in so that you could share that information because it really is for the community as well. Um, so again, thank you for just taking a time and sitting down with me, Nyan Bougie Foodie. Uh, so if you're having that cup of coffee, reading your newspaper, we're going to make this uh, really mellow as always, but not sleepy mellow because <laughs> we got to get the day started. And I'm getting a little bit hyped too because here we are, uh, we are one day, literally, you might as well just say we're in March because if it wasn't for the leap year, we would. this would be March 1st. And that's just one more day closer to, to spring. Um, I can't figure out how many days closer we are to spring, but uh, yeah. And you know what that means? Uh, farmers markets and other pastel colors and, and thoughts that run through your head about warm, warmer days in our in our future. But again, thanks for sitting down. So just enjoy that cup of coffee or if you're having your breakfast, I just want to encourage you to keep doing so. As you know, February has been Black History Month and that we have this one extra day of black history uh, or to con consider for black history. I wanted to kind of carry on with the conversation um, with uh, African-Americans and what they've meant uh, you know, in the culinary world. I, I found an article uh, not that long ago, and it was on, uh, I think, NBCNews.com. Uh, and it shared, uh, and under cultural matters, there was an article that says that there were two first celebrity chefs that were black or African-Americans. And their names, they were brothers by the names of James and Peter Hemmings. Um, it, it's so interesting because the very first line from that uh, article talks about each and every time that you eat a handful of french fries you you have to say or give thanks to James Hemmings uh, especially if you and then if you kind of like wash it down with, with, with beer or ale or some type of uh, ale beverage um, yeah, that's where his brother comes into play. So these two gentlemen, they were born in slavery uh, in the Revolutionary War. Um, they had sisters uh, that were, were they along with their brothers that were enslaved um, under Thomas Jefferson. Uh, yeah. Fast forward a little bit. 
Peter Hemmings was the 24-year-old. Uh, it was his older brother that was J- James, you know, the one that gave us French fries. They taught him, James taught him how to cook uh, in the French style because he was serving uh, Jefferson in Paris, which is just so interesting to me because this is a part of something I've never known about. Uh, and, you know, they're cooking slowly became more noticeable um, throughout uh, the different uh, I- the different areas or levels within their I, I don't know how, what do you their their status um, within you know, under serving under Thomas Jefferson but and they all but I always thought of a time when they were actually going to be free or that they were going to be able to share those talents, that food with, uh, with others, not just the folks that had them enslaved. However, you know, they kept that dream alive and they continued to focus their attention on putting out really great food. Um, when Thomas Jefferson was appointed U.S. Uh, United States Minister to France in 1784, uh, it was James that was his cook that started again learning the art of French cooking, and he was just a teenager. And so when he came back to America, um, you know those skills, of course, he brought them back with him, and so that was the foundation of the type of cooking that he did um, when they were in Virginia. And more than often, he was the one, James, was the one that was known more for his French um, cuisine or the the French style cooking that he did. Um, Cooks that followed him, uh, I believe they were just others that were there. Uh, I think Edith Hearn Fawcett and Fanny uh, Gillette Hearn, they they were the ones that, if you would, perfected it and, and really... Uh, I don't know made folks uh, women have a better way of presenting (laughs) cuisine to a certain extent Uh, but in this particular case it was James that actually started it Um, so I mean we do have to give them thanks and you know their props for perfecting it and really making it even more appeasing to I don't know, the culinary world, uh, the culinary industry to those that really take notice. But again, keep in mind that because of the fact that they were African-American men or James was African-American, that notice of a a black male getting that uh, accolade was not something that was going to be done at that time period. So, you know, it was it was the women you know, they were so more often to be the cooks in in the kitchen. So Edith, Edith Hearn Fawcett and uh, Fanny Hearn, they were also African-American slaves, too, um, that did a lot of the cooking. Uh, and they were accredited in their skills. But once again, uh, in a kind of a backhanded way. Um, but, you know. Later on, you come to find out that James did actually get some type of accolade to a certain degree. Uh, 
I believe there was a gentleman by the name of uh, Adrian Miller, who's a culinary historian and author of Soul Food, The uh, Surprising Story of an American Cuisine, One Plate at a Time. Uh, and, you know, it was a book that garnished him a James Beard uh, Foundation Award in 2014. But he spoke of James as being a pivotal figure because he was the uh, earliest examples of American chefs given classical French training and fusing that with the dishes of uh, Virginia. So the importance of having just talking about it again, because, you know, in the culinary world, we don't see that many African-American men and women getting the uh, the props, the accolades, the notoriety that they should and so i just kind of wanted to bring kind of briefly tell the story there's much more information um on this as well but a lot if you would really love to find out more about it i would invite you and well, not invite you because it makes it sound like i wrote it um <laughs> to visit nbcnews.com and just look for uh America's first black celebrity chefs, um, James and Peter Hemmings. You know, they are important because they're African-Americans that brought contributions to American cuisines that, you know, you hadn't heard of. Uh, and this is way before the 20th century, you know. So we know that black people were natural cooks and, you know, uh, Adrian Miller, you know, went went on to say that you know what they did took away some of the dimensions of the professional training and how they were dedicated. They were really dedicated to their craft. There are other books that um, by Adrian Miller. I think I believe a second one that he wrote was um, the President's Kitchen Cabinet: The Story of the African Americans, uh, African yeah, African Americans who have fed our first families from the Washingtons to the Obamas, and you know. It, they were in his book they were later referred to as celebrity chefs so you know we have celebrity chefs you know even within our own twin cities <laughs> um and they some of them are african-american so you know definitely we have one that we was on the tell was on television this morning by the name by the way uh yeah so i'm gonna give a shout out to chef jametta raspberry from house of gristle she was on Carol K K Care Eleven. I'm trying to have difficulty. Care Eleven, <laughs> and um, yeah, she was talking about uh, an upcoming food event, like the transition. Uh, upcoming food event called the largest potluck, and. It's going to be. It's going to be tomorrow. It's going to be uh, at Potluck at Rosedale Center. And if you want to find out a little bit more about this event, I mean, I'm going to go into it a little bit myself. But if you really want to kind of like get tickets, um, you know, find out more about the location, time, and I'll go over share some of that as well. But I love this because it's telling you specifically what the chefs are actually going to be making. But I'm going to read this this recipe of chefs. So it's 11 chefs, 11 Minnesota chefs, uh, and one huge potluck. So uh, there is Steen Aslan. I believe that's his name. Or, yeah. 
uh, and then Regavan uh, Ayer, uh, Leo um, Judah, Angel Luna, Adrian Odom, Nick O'Leary, Jametta Raspberry, Justin Sutherland, Tammy Wong, Yia Vang, and Brian Yazzie. So if you're from if you're not familiar with any of those chefs, I think you need to kind of become familiar. Uh, we could spend literally the rest of the time going through <laughs> what each of these chefs have have done, is doing, uh, has brought to the figurative table, <laughs> if you would. Um, but yeah, shout out to each one of them. So 11 local Minnesota chefs. Uh it is going to be Sunday, March 1st at Potluck at Rosedale Center for, as they again said, the largest potluck. You'll have an opportunity in, to enjoy a buffet dinner created and served by 11 of the Twin Cities' most acclaimed and respected chefs as we ce- celebrate Minnesota's diverse culinary scene. And really, it truly is diverse. I mean, considering all of these different types of chefs that are, they have, they bring something in their own right. Uh, going down the line of what is actually going to be available, um, Chef Justin is going to be having Japanese fried chicken and steamed buns. Chef Yia Vang is going to be providing uh, or serving uh, Kao Sing um, noodles with coconut curry, chicken curry. Uh, Brian Yazzie is going to be serving um, or Chef, I have to refer to them as chefs, so I apologize. Chef Brian um, Yazzie is going to be serving wild rice. Um, Chef Ayer is going to have is going to serve smoky yellow um, split pea stew with uh, with potatoes. There's so much more. Again, those were only four. There's still seven others um, that there's going to be dessert. There's going to be uh, other appetizers that are there as well. Um, Again, if you're not familiar where Potluck is, it is located at 1595 Minnesota uh, 36 um, in Roseville uh, 55113. That is going to be starting tomorrow from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. And that's a pity I won't be able to be there to join them. <laughs> I have to work tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, check that. I mean, check that out. If, if you're really interested in wanting to taste those wonderful, um, you know, dishes that each one of these uh, Minnesota chefs, these local Minnesota chefs are going to be preparing. Um, check that out. Um, there is an entrance fee, so you will have to um, take that into consideration. But you can find more information about that on Eventbrite, www.eventbrite.com, and then just search for Largest Potluck. Um, you can also find it on Facebook, too. So if it makes it easier, do it that way. And yeah, um, I'm going to last week, y'all, there was going to be a. I was saying that there's going to be a special guest that I was going to have on my show. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. I'm trying to make that phone call right now because I really want to have that conversation with her. Good morning. Uh, hold on just a second. Hello. 
Auntie. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so, so much. Okay, folks. I, I just want to let you know I, I I'm I'm I've reached out to her. She's from Los she's in Los Angeles. Um this is a very special person. Uh I'm I'm not hearing what you're saying. Oh, you're not? Oh no. Can you hear me? I can't hear you, but it sounds like it's here. I, I can't hear what you're saying. Oh, no. Okay. Can you? Uh, I, have a, I have a favor to ask then. Can, can you call me back? Huh? Can you call me back? Okay. Uh, but not on my phone. Call me back at the radio station. So... That telephone number is 651. What's the number? It's 651. Well, text me the number because I don't have a pen right now. (laughs) I did text it to you. I texted it to you last night. Oh, okay, okay. So I'll wait for your phone call. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, this is going to be really interesting. I thought that was going to work, but it wasn't. Um, But that's okay because we're going to make it work. Uh. Very special individual that I want, I'm going to have calling on to the show. Um, she's my aunt. And again, because this is African-American, uh, this is Black History Month. Uh, and I was talking last week about, uh, I don't know, Afro-Latinos or Africa, Afri- Afro-Caribbean folks um, getting in contact or... or having conversations about the type of cuisines I know we always you know it's Black History Month so it's it's soul food if you would or southern food um, Hispanic his, uh, Hispanic Heritage Month is more strongly uh, in with uh, Latin flavor more more so but you know when you're a person that is coming from you know that latin caribbean i mean that african caribbean culture you you want to go ahead and uh, for me i want to consider that and i i feel it's just so important that we talk about that and we and that i, I share that and it, you know i gotta I got to have her for you point because she is a person that has. Ooh, and there she is. Yay. Oh, my goodness. Is that my aunt calling from Los Angeles? Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi, thank you so much, Tia. I appreciate it. <laughs> can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, cool. Awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much. I appreciate you. And um, I was just giving people a little bit of backstory, uh, a little bit. Um, just who you are, what you mean to me. This is my, my aunt from Los Angeles, folks. Her name is, may I use your name? <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> name is Louise Anderson. Um, thank you so much for just giving me this opportunity to um, share this moment with you and uh, just having a brief discussion about our our culture. So first off, I'm just going to mention that um, my parents, uh, my aunt inc- you know, is included, um, my father's sister, they're from Central America, um, specifically Belize. So yes, we refer to ourselves as Belizeans. Uh, and the importance of me having my aunt on uh, because she herself, along with my father, but she herself is a wonderful chef. Uh, and delving into Belizean cuisine is my is my love is my heart. Um, she's had uh, a number of restaurants, and I want I hope that you would be willing to share your experience um, as a uh, as a, a Belize individual Belizean that's in the United States that's come to America and had a business. Um, creating that cuisine and what it means to us uh even though you know uh, i don't know how to put this other than you know i'm just going to be honest and say i know about my culture but i want to know more and i know that it's through food and having conversations with individuals such as yourself that uh, i learn about those and understand about the stories that come along with it um, I'm putting you on the spot, but can you tell us a little bit about what Belizean cuisine, creating um, these food, this food means to you and to us as a family and as a culture? That was well, a lot. <laughs> I am happy to say that our our main dish is rice and beans, two chicken, and two oxtails. We make that rice and beans. Our, our rice and beans is made with not oil, but coconut milk. We make our rice and beans with coconut milk. As, as people would put oil in their food, we don't use oil in our rice and beans. Okay. Our rice and beans is made with coconut milk, the cream of the coconut. That's what we make our rice and beans with. And why is that? Why is that important? I mean, is does that have anything to do with the type of um, uh, either ingredients or the availability of the the types of foods that we uh, that were being utilized in creating each of these dishes? In this case, you know, rice, you know, coconut rice and beans, or or you know, stewed chicken or or oxtail. Yes, it does because we instead of making um, um, rice and beans with with oil or whatever grease people use to cook with. We just use um, coconut milk to make a complete rice and bean dinner. We make that. And as for the stew chicken, we use different seasoning from um, other seasoning that other people use. Because we have a special seasoning that we put on our meat when before we cook it, and it's like uh, um, 
it's it's actually a, a paste seasoning that we use on our on our meat to season it with that give it that taste and that flavor right and we don't we don't we don't cook our meat in 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 um, flour or anything like that we just cook our meat you know naturally you mm. know with natural seasoning understood uh, is that um, that pace that you refer to? Is that uh, and I'm gonna you, please, she's gonna give, she's gonna um, reprimand me because of my Spanish, of course. But uh, is that a chote? A chote, yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. See, I, my pronunciation. I, pra- I I practice every now and then. Well, we had a, a different name in Belize. We used to call it Ricardo. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it's, over here, it's. Achote, right. and that's what we use to season our, our meat with. Or, that's the basic first seasoning that you put on beside your, you know, if you use um, lemon pepper or um, laurel seasoning or whatever, you know, that's our basic seasoning to start seasoning our meat with. Mm-hmm. And we don't we don't use nothing like like cornstarch or anything like that in our in our meat when we make our meat right we just cook it um you know bake it and you know you know oxtail is a meat that comes with a lot of oil right so you, you when you put it on to cook and you start baking it you have to take all, off all that oil before it gets down to the stewing part with just the with the gravy right. you have to take a the meat our meat make its own gravy you know when after we season that up and put a little um lean perrin sauce on it and it you bake your oxtail in the oven and that oil come you have to take off all that oil so you don't have all that grease all over your your food it's not supposed to be oily, you know, like all that oil in it. So, you know, that brings up a very interesting point that I have to ask because right now, and I think I may, at the time when I was living in Los Angeles and uh, I came and visited the shop, um, you know, the uh, restaurant often, um, I think we had a conversation about, uh, you know, the way, you know, um, maybe like Belizean food or cuisine um, I, some folks feel a certain type of way that it's unhealthy or that it's this or that it's that. Um, it, you mentioned just now about like with the oxtail or with any other meat too that might have some type of fat that of course as you cook it, it starts to render off and, and, and everything. You don't want to have that that those renderings or the, the the fat or the oil itself be in the meat. So those are going to be actually remained. It's not going to stay on the meat itself. Um, is that kind of a way of saying or of helping the, the health portion of that or for folks not to think of it as, gosh, you guys cook so unhealthy, you know? Yeah, it's more healthier. It's more healthier to use coconut oil to cook your rice and beans than it is to use regular oil. Right. And it's more healthy to take all that oil off the, the meat before you stew it down. A lot of people stew it down with all that oil and things. You you, you know, that's not healthy. Right. Oil is not healthy for you. You have to take all that oil off and then you stew your, your chicken or your oxtail down with just, with just plain gravy. And we, we as Belizeans, we don't add nothing to our gravy. 
the, our meat makes its own gravy with the seasoning that we put on it. Like we use cilantro, you know, we would um, use like bell pepper and cut up chopped onion really fine and, and a little tomato Tom and stuff. Yeah. And that's what makes the gravy taste, have that taste that it has. Understood. Um, when when did you start learning how to cook, um, Auntie? Well, you know, I, I learned how to cook. Actually, my mom never let me cook when we were we were at home. And I came here when I was 20 years old, and I had to start cooking on my own. Okay. I just tried to start putting um, things together, you know, to, to make my own my own food right but i knew my the, the beginning because my mom used to use what kind of seasoning she used to use a little black pepper and you know we have that base that we use to season our meat and all that and then like we i'm not a um i don't cook chicken with the skin at all unless i'm baking a chicken okay i i, I we don't use we don't use i don't use the skin you know, so when we bake the chicken, we it, 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 even with cleaning our meat, it's different because we use if we are going to make chicken, we we clean that chicken with lemon and vinegar, and you know, and before we put on that seasoning, we do all that cleaning first before before we put in on take all that stuff out of it and all that. A lot of people that I have seen people cook. That's why I don't eat from a lot of people. I they take the meat out the package from the store. And start seasoning and put it in the pot and cook. I I, I could never eat that. Oh wow! Never. I I could never eat like that. So because we were learned to clean, uh, our meat has to be clean, very clean. And when you wash your meat, you use warm water first, and then the final washing you use cold water. And then you wash off all that stuff. Then you season your meat. Right. You know. So you know, people, American people cook different differently from us the way we cook we cook because we we actually eat healthy you know we eat healthy when we when we make our food it's, it's really healthy and i think that's that's an important um point to mention because Right now, it just seems that folks are in the mindset that, oh, soul food, southern food, you know, when folks go back to the cooking that they are so used to uh, from, you know, their families, you know, when they've gotten to get get together, their the first thought is, gosh, you guys are eating so unhealthy. Look at all that oil. Look at all this. Look at all that. And I don't feel that that's the way. Um, you know, especially with even, I mean, there are some things that, of course, will be kind of will be considered. Okay, that's that might be a little bit too sweet, or that has a bit too much salt or too much flavor, or something like that. But that's not the standard. That's not something that is, you know, within the way of, especially for Afro Caribbean uh, or Afro Afro Latino folks, uh, such as Belizeans that cook in an unhealthy manner. Is that correct? Yes. You know, it's like it's like we we learn to cook that way from from home. Right. A lot of when we came here and people see you cooking with coconut oil, they oh that oil is not healthy, but that's the healthiest oil that you could cook with. You know. Right. It, it, it's a healthy oil that we were never fat and we never got sick off or you know have too much oil or you know in our system so 
we that's the way we we learn how to do our food and I never changed my cooking from the way I knew how we used to cook back home. I use my same ingredients. Sometimes all the stores that you go to don't have that ingredient, but the Mexican store would have everything that you need. Right. And, you know, once you make your your meal, you know exactly. And we could even, you know, people don't have a difference between rice and beans and beans and rice. Right. They have rice and beans and beans and rice is the the rice and beans is together. The yeah. beans and rice is separate. Yep. You know, it's it's like it's two you stew your beans by itself and you make your white rice by itself. Exactly. But together rice and beans is cooked together. And and it's not mushy. It's not supposed to be mushy. It's you know, it's fluffy and like regular white rice. Exactly. Um curious though, you know, have you has that been something that uh, folks? Uh, why do no? Why do folks? Certain, I guess, cultures refer to it as rice and peas. Well, well, we, we, we um, um, West Indian people call it rice and peas. Okay. And it's the same thing as rice and beans. You know, it's the same thing as rice and beans. Okay. They have a similar way of cooking their rice and beans because they use, like, the coconut milk is their basic um, water that we use. You know, people would cook their rice in water instead of water. Even if it's plain rice rice, we don't use water. We just put a little salt and use the milk to cook it with. Understood. Okay, so I'm going to talk about, uh, do you have maybe like another five minutes to talk to me about with the tamales? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, to, uh, see, here in the Midwest, I mean, there are, of course, um, Latin stores, restaurants, and so forth. There's a difference for me as a person that has that comes from a Belizean culture. Our tamales are very much different than those of, uh, I guess, the Latin more latin culture because our, our it's not cooked or tamales are not um made with the or prepared that's the word i'm trying to i'm trying to find uh prepared with uh, uh for cooking in the husk right a uh, corn husk i mean oftentimes it's either maybe a banana leaf or if you don't have that available uh, foil could be used, correct? I mean, but the process of the corn and what could be inside um, the tamales is fairly the same. Is that correct? No, it's, it's not the same. Oh, no. It's different. <laughs> it's different. It's different. Okay. It's different in a way that we, um, the, the Hispanic tamales, they have their, their meat is like boiled and just chopped up and put in there. And we, we prepare our meat different. We prepare our meat different for our tamales. It is cooked and, and seasoned, I mean, as though yes, it were, yeah, right. Yeah, it, it's com- the meat is completely cooked right. before we put it in there. Uh, understood. Put it in the corn. And then another thing, they use a dip, they use the corn differently from us. Uh. They use a masa preparado that already have oil in it. And we don't we don't use that. Got we it. We use just the plain corn itself. Right. 
and then we make it, you know, into like make it into a paste and spread it, and then put our meat in it and fold it with the banana leaves. We don't use the corn husk for our tamales. Right. No. Exactly. That part definitely. We use the, the banana leaves for our tamales. Understood. But they use, it's different. It's totally even the texture is totally different. You know, you you bring up a very valid point because when I do. Um, remember that I and think of the tamales that you know that I have from like Latin restaurants and so forth here um, it is a bit more grainy uh, rather yeah. than with Belizeans when we do or um, tamales it's more of a, a smoother uh, or finer uh, texture yes. in the corn yes it is because they they buy the masa that's already have oil and all that stuff in it. We buy the masa that's just the corn, that's ground corn. Understood. And then we, we cook it. We, we cook that. And it comes to a paste. Right. It comes in a paste and then you spread it, put your meat and you fold it. And then, you know, before you boil it. But when you boil that, you don't have to boil it long because everything that you make is already cooked. Right, exactly. You like steam it for a few a few minutes. Right. So it's, that tamales is totally different from our tamales. Understood. Um, that's our tamales that we use, like uh, like people from Guatemala and 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 and, and Belize and um, some Honduranian make the tamales that way. But usually the other Hispanic people they they make their own. Salvadoran and Mexican, they make a totally different tamales from we make. Okay, so I'm thinking about starting a business. I'm gonna just do. I'm just gonna do panades as it's gonna be like a little food truck, and it's just gonna be panades. And I don't know. I'm 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 joking, but. <laughs> I, no, you could make okay if you want to do if you want to do um um like corn dishes you could make tamales yeah tamales and garnaches and have I, there's nothing like that here auntie there's nothing like that here in the midwest so um oh wow I, I, i'm serious i know it's you you're probably thinking no it has to be nope and if it is it's not like blazing cuisine it it is not, and I I love my my Latin brothers and sisters and, and so forth and and enjoy their food, but any even and anyone they enjoy our food too. I know they enjoy our food. I know, and that's the part that I love about it. Do you, I think you probably understand, and maybe we've had this conversation before. I think that is the reason why I feel so close to the Latin culture so much more. And this is going to sound so controversial, um, but I feel so much um, closer to the Latin culture, to Latin folks, Mexican, uh, Hispanic, you know, you know, however you define, um, identify in that sense, rather than I do with my African American friends, family. You know, do does that make sense? I mean, because yeah. of, uh, uh, go ahead. easier you know because our our we have a lot in common with the with the um hispanic right we have so much in common with the hispanic because they 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 make rice and they make beans but they make it different from us they even make it together but it's like it's like kind of soft that that i i myself don't use it 
i.e. the separate beans and the separate rice. Right. But when they put it together, it's a different thing. Understood. We, we, we have a lot of things in common with cooking with, with our food. Right. You know, because we, we eat a lot of rice, because rice is one of our things from back home. Rice and beans and, you know, and, and fish is one of our, 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 our main dishes a staple. that we have back home. A staple. You know? and, and even fish. We prepare fish totally different from American people because we don't use no batter, we don't use no cornmeal, we don't. We just make our fish natural and you know the way how we know how. Right. You know. So it's, we have that in common with the, with the Hispanic because that's the way they make their fish too. They just fry their fish exactly. And, you know, season it up and fry it, and and you got all the all the all that taste that you get from fish. Exactly. I mean, when you, when you, when you buy fish fry, it's better on it. It's, it's, it's all different kind of cornmeal on it or whatever they use to make it, you know, it makes a difference. And that's not, that's not taking anything away from those that prepare it that way. I think, and it's not uh, a way us having this conversation about Belizean cuisine is not diminishing uh, any way, shape, or form, anyone else's culture no, no, and their no, food. Not at all, it's not just at all. that I think that for for me, you know, there's not been any type of food representation of Belize cuisine out there. You know what I mean? As much as yes. as much as you hear about soul food and you know Latin food and and all these other different types, and I'm not just concentrating on just those, but right now. Uh, to be honest, the hot thing right now is oxtail this, oxtail that. I mean, I, I love the, my friends that are doing certain things with oxtail, but I'm like, y'all are making it seem like oxtail has just jumped up on the scene. I've been eating oxtail since I was like five, you know. <laughs> so before you were five, I know, but I'm just saying that you know that when I remember. But at this point, it's like folks are jumping on the oxtail. I mean, a, a lot of Americans and even some that. Uh, that would not have even thought really i'm not what is that i'm not eating that that's from the tail of a, a of any type of hoofed beast no i'm not eating that you know but th- then when they taste it or when they have when someone's created something that's just so delicious and you tell them what it is they're like that's oxtail that's how oxtail t-? yes that's exactly how oxtail tastes it's always been wonderful you just have never had it prepared appropriately or in you, ma- you, you, you're gonna have to make them and some of your friends I'm, some oxtail i know right i did it one yeah. time and and they loved it uh i think i need to probably do it again the but i mean definitely i did it way belize prepared it but um you know my friends the number of my friends that are you know a few friends i should say i won't say a number a few friends that are chefs they do oxtail and I can tell the difference. It's still flavorful, but I'm just like. But it, they make oxtail tasty too. No, they do. They different way from us. Yes, exactly. It, it, the flavor is, is is totally different. Exactly. You know exactly. So anyway, I just know that having this type of conversation is just so exciting for me and it's been a pleasure having you on i've taken up so much more so much of your time but i i want to thank you and just say i love you for um supporting and me I, and i love you too and i'm uh, anytime i'm always i'm going to make some rice and beans today for allison she's having a little um thing over her house her husband um 
dad had passed away, and uh-huh. today would have, yesterday would have been his birthday, so we were making dinner, stew chicken, and oxtail and potato salad, and all that. So, well, please tell uh, you know, give them my love too. I texted them. I texted her and Karen and told them your mom is going to be on the radio. <laughs> so <laughs> I told them how to listen and everything. So hopefully they did hear you. If not, I'll make it available for folks to hear the you know our conversation. But thank you so much. I really appreciate this. You are welcome. Anytime. I love I'm you. Here, okay? <laughs> Take you have care. Have a wonderful day and God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Man, I'm telling you, I could have been on that for quite a while with her. I personally cut that off because I know that we could have kept going on and on about other things. And, you know, I love the fact I'm a little bit geeked right now because, no, the the initial way that I was trying to get in contact with her, you know, I wasn't sure if she's going to be able to call the number. <laughs> so I said I was going to reach out to her, but then that didn't work. It's always, it's something new that you learn when you're on a live show or whatever. So thank you all for sticking around. To, I hope you all heard the whole conversation from beginning to end uh, because it was exciting for me. It really was. Um, I really wanted to talk more about it. Now, I have to go back. I'm not apologizing for my comment that I mentioned uh, regarding uh, the closeness that I feel you know, to the Latin culture. Um, it it's always been my love it really has and because yes because it's the type of culture environment that i've been around that's not to say that i don't love my uh you know african-american or my black side if you would um i love my black history month um just a little bit extra because my parents are who they are where they came from it was more of go out there and get an education. It was never about be be proud that you're black. You know, if anything, they were like, no, be proud and go get yourself an education. Uh, go out there, get a job, you know, and that's how you're going to you should be feeling proud and making us proud and everything. That's not, again, to take away from my side of as an african-american male because first and foremost that's what you're going to see you see me walking down the street you're no oh, that's a black guy that's a black man uh they're not it's only when you get to know me that you'll fully understand you know there is a, a mixture going on you know and so admittedly there are some things that i know more about Latin culture than I do about African American uh, I'm just going to put that out there This is it's a vulnerable moment it's a, a moment of you know of again you know being honest with you know audience uh, and knowing that you know when it comes down to my culture that, that whole want to mention with my aunts there hasn't been that representation of Belizean culture or Belizean cuisine. And I know that folks, you know, that are in the culinary industry, maybe they've gone down to uh, places uh, in Mexico or the Caribbean areas and they're like, oh God, I, I really love that. And, you know, I want to see if I could do something like that in the U.S. 
The things that she mentioned, uh, tamales, panadas, and garnaches, those are all corn items or um, that could basically be made. I'm, I... <sighs> I don't know. I she's put something in my head, and even though I voiced it and said, "Hey, you know, I want to start a business with you know doing panadas," um, y'all have y'all don't know what you're missing. I'm just saying that a time when my sister came out here, literally, we were at a friend's house, and I think that we made probably a, a, at least a hundred. And people were just coming by, you know, and be like, oh, what's this that you all are making? And oh, and this is the garnish that goes on top of it. It's an onion sauce. Um, I think uh, the closest thing to that I would say that I've tasted that it comes to would be, um, I think, uh, oh, a good example, uh, Manana, which is right down the street from a radio station. Um, it's core when they uh, have if you've had their pupusas before they serve it also with uh, a cortido uh, and that's c-o-r-t-i-d-o <laughs> see my spanish um so thank you auntie uh a cortido it's uh just like an onion sauce it can be with in this case i think there there's some cabbage uh you could have some heat to it maybe like habanero or some jalapeno for when you're making a panadas, it's very similar to that. Um, but I go back to that story of when my sister was here. Literally, it was we were standing around in this kitchen, and it just seemed like this was a, an assembly line. You know, there there's a masher that's involved, uh, or or corn press, uh, and then you know you you kind of prepare all your 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 uh, your panadas. I'd say maybe like ten, twelve, or whatever. Because literally there are some folks that could eat like four or five panadas in, in one sitting and probably come back and say, hey, can I have another five? That it's a business that alone can be creating some, yeah, some definitely awareness about Belizean cuisine. Um, I know that there are folks that uh, in the culinary industry that have maybe made something similar or or close to it but not truly understanding you know how it's made why it's why it's made this particular way or the ingredients i like the traditional i don't mind uh, being adventurous and trying other things but i honestly believe that more i want to really promote more about belizean cuisine um, i love all the different types of cuisines that uh, i've tried and that um you know, many other friends have shared with me um, restaurants that I've gone to. You know, some places there are some cuisines that I've never even thought of of having uh, until I've come honestly to the Midwest. Um, but and then doing what I'm doing as you know the Ambuji foodie. Uh, but even prior to that, you know, my family members, a number of them weren't they weren't eating sushi. They weren't eating uh, Filipino food. You know, pancit or uh, lumpia or knew what any of those were um, some of the things right now that the <laughs> you know when you have until they had it they really didn't understand but I took a picture of, of some pho that I had this was many years ago and my sisters were like what is that I'm not even going to tell you what they <laughs> the words that they used to describe what was in the pho but <clears throat> 
let's just say that uh, they thought it was some it wasn't something good and edible <laughs> but I'm like you you guys don't know you have to try this stuff all out of all of these different types of cuisines I feel it is my duty to help others to understand about Belizean cuisine um, I, I need to find uh, many years ago I purchased a, a, Belize, a Belizean cookbook and can't find it because you know in a move you wonder where these things are you can't really find it so i i feel i need to go online and go back to my roots and share it with others too and try to see if i could how i could imp- not uh, not even impress but show some uh, some folks uh, hey one i know how to cook two this is the type of cuisine that i have been raised on and have come from Uh, I have to so much give love and appreciation to my aunt, um, Louise Anderson. She's in Los Angeles. Thank you so much, um, Tia. Um, I greatly appreciate um, the conversation that we had uh, much longer than I I promised. Um, I told her it was probably only going to be about 15 minutes and it probably was about 30 minutes, maybe 35. But she was she was a trooper. So thank you again so much. You know, it's been good. It's been so much fun. Uh, I wanted to mention one more thing. Um, I think I, I think I have some time. Maybe not. <laughs> I, I may not have any time. Uh, y'all, there's something called National Mustard Day. It's, it's very odd. But uh, anyway, it happens August 1st, 2020. So it's always the first Saturday of every August. But um they have an ice cream. They, oh, I don't know. They've created an ice cream or something like that. But French has actually made an ice cream. And I didn't believe it. But, yeah, it's out there. We could probably talk about that at another time. But, man, I'm telling you, this has been such a great time. I hope you've enjoyed the information that I was sharing uh, with you all. Um, gosh, uh, man, I, there are so many things that are in my head right now and foods that I really want to have and taste and, and make. But until that time period, folks, I'm going to say peace. But also remember, never let anyone tell you what type of food you need to be because really it's the food that makes us strong as people. Those connections, those experiences, care and love about your community and share with them food. Until next time, peace. Sit down with the Unbougie Foodie.